I think it's extremely important that marketeers realize that you will not be successful with the same marketing strategy at any company. You need to adapt your marketing strategy, adapt your tactics to the location, the company, the time, to the basically the circumstances that you're in at that specific moment. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Joran Kubens, who is CMO at Sana Commerce. Joran, a very, very warm welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Benedict. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, look, in my typical fashion, I've done a super brief introduction to you um, and I'm sure that the name and the job title doesn't really do it justice. So if for the sake of people tuning in, you could just give us a sort of 30, 45 second intro into who you are um, and some of your motivations, I suppose, within marketing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Jeroen Kuppens, very Dutch name. So whatever you make of it, it's fine. I am um, I'm CMO at Sana Commerce, which is an e-commerce uh, software solution. I started in the company around nine years ago and it was the first full-time marketer hired. And um, with the e-commerce solution we provide, we focus heavily on B2B and the integration with the ERP systems, Microsoft Dynamics and SAP. So over the last nine years, we've helped manufacturing, distribution and wholesale companies actually to become and be successful with B2B e-commerce. Uh, the company nowadays is, um, is more or less a scale-up. Uh, we've went through a lot of aggressive growth over the last couple of years and um, I'm leading the marketing organization for the past nine years currently. The marketing team is roughly 25, 30 individuals. Um, and yeah, we grew that from, uh, from one to, uh, to where it currently stands. Fantastic. Well, hopefully I didn't do too much of a sort of a misjustice to your name, but I, oh, no. listening to you say it, I was, I was aware that I probably didn't get it quite right. So apologies for that. No worries, I, will, no I will build up to saying it again towards the end of the podcast. Now, today we're going to be talking about, I suppose in some respects, something which is a perennial issue within um, marketing and B2B marketing, absolutely, which is that marketers are sometimes a little bit dislocated from the business goals. Um, but the particular sort of dimension that we're going to be taking today is this idea that actually a lot of marketers end up obsessing about marketing theories rather than actually concentrating on what's truly important to drive a business forward, which is what the business is trying to achieve, understanding those business goals. So I suppose the provocative truth that I want to give you to kick things off is that marketers need to break out of the marketing echo chambers and actually get to the front line and understand what's important for the business. Is that something you'd agree with? I fully agree, Benedict. I fully agree. I, um, yeah, I see this a lot, to be honest, right? It's, it's amazing to see on the, on the social media side, basically, or on the web, on how much inspiration you can get to become a better marketeer by all the latest theories, but also by all the success stories, actually, that are, that are being put out there. Uh, but it's also a thin line, right? It's also a thin line between getting inspired and, you know, getting inspiration for how to implement those tactics and theories into your own marketing plan between or being maybe a little bit misled or distracted or maybe even demotivated by the things that you see online that are not working in your business or not working in the market that you operate in. So I definitely, definitely... Yeah, um, yeah, agree with your statement. I think it's important to be authentic and mm -hmm. uh, to always keep the right balance there. 
So do you think that the, the problem is that there's a lot out there and actually um, it's sometimes difficult to apply what someone's talking about for the marketing theory for their particular business to your business and it's a difficult read across? Or do you actually think it's almost a problem which we're experiencing within society is that due to things like social media, effectively information has been democratized and you don't have those traditional checks and balances that you would have with proper publishers about the sort of the quality and the yeah. relevance of what's being published. So do you think it's, it's difficult to sort of read across or actually do you think there's fundamentally there's a lot of bullshit out there um, because there isn't those checks and balances? Yeah, yeah. Interesting question. Yeah, I'm the kind of person who always uh, tries to look at myself basically and say, okay, what can I do and how can I filter this information basically accordingly? Because mm -hmm. I do say it like, yeah, like I said before, I think it's a thin line, right? It's at one side, it's great that it's all out there because it's very inspirational. And I use external examples almost every day for myself, but also for my team members. Yet at the other side, I think what is extremely important that you as an individual are capable of filtering that information and translating that information into your context. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, good marketeers are fully aware of the internal and external environment that they operate. And, and basically, therefore, you need to cherry pick what you see online and see how it's applicable for you and for your marketing strategy. And that's, I think, where, where um, what becomes more important than ever with all that information out there. I'm sure this is a very difficult question to 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 answer, probably. But you know, you talk there about the filter. Um, for you, what do you sort of put in place as your criteria for who I'm going to actually listen to within a social media sort of environment, and who? Like, I'm just going to put to one side because that's just noise. Yeah, yeah, interesting question. I think more or less for me, it's about the topics. Uh, so for me, I'm I have always done it that way. I became CMO at a young age, and I knew that I was unexperienced, for example. So I knew that I needed to gain experience on a rapid pace on certain fields uh, within marketing. And what I always did is I've cherry picked the fields where I missed the most experience or where we knew that we struggled the most with. And basically based on those fields, uh, collected a lot of external peers around me or started to follow a lot of individuals on the social web to, to make sure that I gained that knowledge basically on the short, you know, on a, on, I would say on a rapid pace. And I think that's not only me that is doing that. I think that's the whole world that is actually needs to do that and, and is doing that, right? Where do you struggle the most? Where you, does your interest lie the most? And, and how do you basically, uh, or try to follow those individuals? Yet the only thing is important that you translate it to your company and mm. your niece, uh, basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, it's nice to hear that you've almost outlined a sort of a strategic approach to content consumption, which is probably exactly the right way. It was almost do your own white space analysis of your own uh, sort of uh, capabilities and see where you need to, to focus in. Um, so the, the next sort of question that I'm going to ask is probably I'm going to use it a little bit to sort of take the sort of the conversation towards what I set up at the beginning, which is that marketers need to look at business yeah. goals and problems in addition to marketing. Within the people that you follow, within the content that you consume, do you actively make sure that you are not only listening to what marketers have to say, but you are listening to what other people within other business functions are saying around similar problems? Very interesting take on it. I, I yeah, definitely. Uh, because I believe, you know, as a marketeer, you need to 
uh, once somebody once told me, you know, the mo one of the most important types of marketing you need to do as a marketing organization is to do internal marketing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you need to make sure that you are, as a marketing organization, do the things that the people that are around you and the, and the stakeholders and the influencers also care about and that, that it's in line with the business strategy. So indeed, also on my external consumption, I try to indeed look at, okay, I know for the company, it's important to focus on revenue contribution. That's also my belief for a marketing organization. So yes, I try to, on the web, basically try to continuously think about, okay, how and what do sales individuals care about? Where mm -hmm. do CROs care about? What does a CEO care about? And that, that kind of implements, or I do think it's important that those kind of perspectives are relevant for you to consume in order to to organize your marketing organization and the priorities that you set for your mm -hmm. team accordingly. And I'd be interested whether you have an answer for this. And look, it could come from something you've seen within social media. It could actually just come from the fact that you've had conversations with your CEO, you've had conversations with your chief revenue officer or whatever it is. Now, clearly they will often have different perspectives to a marketer around what should be a focus and how you should do something. Can you think of anything which you have come across, which is a perspective from a different function that has just really surprised you, but actually has been really, really useful for you when you actually went to try and challenge, sorry, to tackle a problem? Very interesting question. Yeah, I think um, what I like a lot is the sales angle, to be honest. I think mm. there is a, there is always a lot of things to be said, of course, about the opinion of a sales individual or about, um, on, on the marketing team. And, and some of them I, I agree on, but there's also a lot of interesting perspectives, I would say, yeah. on what a sales individual actually um, um, can say about a marketing team. And it inspired me a lot, I would say, on on how we could do things. And I think one of those examples, as you're asking for an example, is, uh, for example, the book, Things They Don't Tell You. A very interesting book um, where they are actually looking at content strategies. I think content strategies is one of those topics. Mm. Content strategy is a topic where you could approach it heavily, of course, from a marketing angle, from an SEO angle, from a campaign angle, et cetera, et cetera. But you could also approach it from a sales angle, basically, where they more talk about, okay, what kind of topics will come up in the demo? What kind of questions does somebody need to answer if he or she is about to close a deal, basically? And if you approach content strategy from that angle, you will very soon find out that at the bottom of the funnel, you have big gaps in your content strategy. So I find that a very inspiring angle, to be honest. And I find individuals that come from that sales angle, but do have a content focus, find mm. a very interesting input most of the days because it's a different perspective on the same topic, basically. Yeah, it's, in many respects, it's kind of, as you were sort of talking earlier, that you need to listen to the theories, but then you have to take the theory and you've got to apply it to your own business. And fundamentally, you know, what you're sort of saying there is that to, to apply almost like a, uh, a messaging framework theory that you'd have in marketing. Now, a messaging framework should underpin all of your communications. Too often marketers think about it, well, this just needs to inform how I put out content and my, my content strategy or my above the line messaging, whatever it is. And they neglect to realize that salespeople are actually one of the most important marketing channels. And to make sure that there is that consistency between what we're saying further up the funnel and what we're saying down the bottom of the funnel is, is so important. Um, so when you've been working with this, I think it's a really nice use case you've brought up there. So when you've been working with your commercial team, do you sort of really actively collaborate with them to actually make sure that there is that consistent set of messaging, which is applied across across the funnel? It's a, is it a co-creation? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we try to do that. Um, we try to do that on multiple angles. So, for example, we in many of the programs that we have, we have them persona based. Um, and one of those programs is either aimed for the IT professional or for the commercial professional. And what we try to do internally is we made uh, topic owners. And those topic mm -hmm. owners cannot be marketeers, right? So they're more or less the champion of the program, but they're the most knowledgeable people on the topic, basically. Mm -hmm. And those are the individuals that, that first look at a script before a podcast that will look at our hero asset when we create it, but they will also look at the narrative that we're using for all the ads and all the other stuff. And to be honest, it, it has been a very simple trick, to be honest, to make a business owner um, own a content topic or a pain mm -hmm. point. Uh, but it helped very much because it's a small effort. And at one side, you deliver way better content. That's really what I believe. But at the other side, you're also getting broader adoption of a topic and you, you're creating internal ambassadors basically mm. for the marketing and the messaging strategy that you have. So yeah, within, within our company, it helped a lot actually to appoint those kind of people. That is a nice partnership between we've got sales and marketing. I suppose the other sort of key dimension, if we're going to think about marketing's role is to achieve wider business objectives. And those objectives fundamentally need to be set by the CEO, for instance. Uh, I'm always interested in marketers' response to this, but from your experience and your observations, how how close to having a legitimate seat at the table do B2B CMOs have? Yeah, and interesting. Seat at the table, seat at the board table. If you yeah, say. I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah, clear. Yeah, no, I think it's crucial. Uh, to be honest, in my belief, it's crucial for any B two B company because marketing departments nowadays are so crucial for the positioning, the revenue growth, the retention, all of the important metrics for a B two B software company. So for me, it's crucial that that organization or that 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 CMO or that team mm -hmm. basically has a seat at the table. I do realize that it's very important that you need to deserve that seat at the table, not as an individual, but as a team. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I think it's so important that you as a marketing team basically are focusing on those elements and those KPIs where the company actually also prioritizes on. And therefore, I believe that, for example, managing a marketing team in a startup and wanting to scale that to the scale-up mode, basically, mm -hmm. and growing from one to 25 or 30 marketeers, it's crucial that you align the goals of your team to what the, the goals of the company at that time. Because if you're doing what the CEO and the shareholders care about, then you're actually delivering the value that they want. Yeah. And if you do that, then I think you deserve your own seat at the table. And so to put this into practical terms about how you do make sure you've got that alignment, that you, you get that um, seat at the table fundamentally, from your experience, what are the key things that you have made sure are in place in terms of how your marketing team operate and make sure that there is that alignment with the CEO and the strategic agenda? Yeah, yeah, good question. I think it's, uh, you are never having it right. So I am also definitely not saying that we are doing it right. Uh, the only thing that I'm saying is that it's continuously on my mind. Yeah. Um, and, and it's continuously on my mind to say, okay, how can I represent the team and the activities that we are doing in the best way possible. And I think the first answer to your question would be visibility. Mm. It's extremely important. And I've also seen it when I didn't do it or when I didn't spend enough time on it, that very soon the marketing organization as a result of that was seen a bit differently. So I think it's the role of a CMO to make sure that the visibility of the department on what they are doing and how they're influencing the business goals mm. is con continuously being brought to that table. 
And that doesn't only have to be about the results. It needs to be primarily about the results, but it doesn't only need to be about the results. It can also be about your positioning or uh, about how you help customers, uh, et cetera, right? I think that's, that's a, it's a nice point that you've made there because I've had many conversations with, you know, many marketers and around how do you, how do you close that gap? How do you make sure marketing is more represented? And always the go-to answer is you've got to have results. You've got to be proving the, the ROI. It's numbers, 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 yeah. numbers. And that is clearly, as you said, it's a big part of it, but there is actually much more that you need to do to really reposition yourself. And you talk there around how marketing can tell the story of about how they are helping customers they're bringing you closer to, the, to, to closer to customers just to sort of put it into sort of you know real terms are there any anything you could share from sort of your business about how marketing has very very actively repositioned themselves by doing things like telling customer stories like you said yeah i think i can i'm thinking about one at the spot but i think one of the most important changes and one of the most strategic changes we are making as a team currently or have been making in the last year was was basically the switch from from lead gen to demand gen. I think like many B2B companies nowadays, mm -hmm. right? We ungated a lot of our content. We moved into a demand gen strategy. And I think that was a massive strategic change because a lot of the things that we were actually used to measure, for example, we needed to let go. Mm -hmm. And we needed to let them go because we had the belief that we needed to turn. And with that um, strategic change, I would say, it was extremely important for me to have the buy-in from the full management team, but also the people below that. And we very much try to position ourselves as, okay, guys, you know, this is our view at the market. These are the five or six pain points that most of our customers feel. And these are the five or six point of views that we actually want to bring to the market. And do we all agree on that? And of course, if you make that a very broad discussion where a lot of people are involved in, then from there on, you could actually take them with you on the journey of making sure that we are actually now doing everything we can to get that point of view. Uh, into the market and mm. it helped me to not only make it a marketing strategy but to make it our strategy as a company to believe in the fact that we need to bring those point of views to the market in any kind of way and that marketing should lead that initiative but that BDRs and sales and also our product department uh, are playing an inevitable role in that. Mm. Well, I think you've you've described sort of masterful stakeholder management there, really, in terms of getting people brought in. Oh, yeah, it sounds nicer than it's yeah, in practice yeah, sure. you know, sometimes well, this, is, right? But, well, and, and this uh, is, that was this the is, idea behind it. <laughs> and this is what I was, I was actually going to follow up, because as you say, there is there is this shift away from just traditional lead gen to actually looking at it, demand gen, you know, there are longer term benefits of going to that model. It's also potentially a cheaper model um, and there are other sort of benefits. But when you made that case to your, your board to take that switch, um, I'm sure there were some questions or uh, maybe some objections there because there's often such short term pressure that we need leads. We need leads. Yeah. What were the big objections that you faced from your board and how did you sort of rebuff those objections by using um, you know, the language of the business and what we're ultimately trying to achieve strategically? Yeah, I think there are two, or, well, there's many things I could say about this, but mm. maybe two that I would like to highlight. I think, first of all, it was very important to uh, do some data crunching and to mm. do really find out the fundamental 
data behind a strategic choice like this, right? Uh, it's very nice if somebody comes in and says, hey, I have this vision and I want to go into this direction. But if you have no data that is backing that vision up, or if you have no proof points on why that will be better than what we're doing today, there's nobody who will give approval mm -hmm. on that. So I think it started with us to, to do the right data crunching. And I definitely got inspired basically by a lot of in online examples on how they did that and which kind of metrics they looked at. And for us, for example, one of those things was really to identify the pipeline that was the fastest and the best way to get to revenue. And we did some shocking findings basically on indeed getting into a lot of MQLs and a lot of PSLs that actually didn't turn out to be the greatest value. Mm -hmm. And of course, trying to, of course, then move into a strategy where we are getting the biggest value uh, or the, the biggest leads basically, or the most qualitative leads in. Uh, that helped a lot by proving that case that actually those high intent requests, et cetera, et cetera, are way more interesting to close and way more interesting to enter the pipeline than those leads are that are simply just downloading a white paper. So that was, I would say, the data validation that really helped the story, I would say. And, and secondly, to be honest, I think it's also just extremely important that, um, that you tr truly believe in the story that you have to tell, right? And, and that's what I meant with the point of views. I think, uh, within the whole board and within the whole organization, we have a common belief on what makes us unique and what makes us different than others. And if you all support that as many people as possible need to read that vision and need to be aware of that point of view, that helps you a lot because then it's also easy to start the discussion on whether we should ungate that or whether we should keep that gated, for example, right? So if you all align on the story and, and the importance of the story, that helped a lot, to be honest. Nice. Well, I, I like how you're keeping coming back to the idea of the story, because I think that the other big advantage of going to more of a demand gen sort of strategy is that you are having that fortunate byproduct benefit of building a brand. You, you ungate something, it makes it accessible. You get greater sort of like, um, you know, um, reach fundamentally from that. Yeah. So that, that's uh, really good, to, really good to hear. Um, just for my penultimate question, I kind of want to sort of almost take it back to I sort of talked about this idea at the top of marketers being in the the echo chamber and we we spoke about it from a sort of a social perspective but are there any other things which really frustrate you in the way that marketers source their information or indeed choose to sort of talk about problems and marketing problems and marketing things that they need to achieve yeah interesting question I think um I could answer it in two ways. I think, first of all, I think it's, I'm not a big fan of the traditional marketeer versus BDR versus sales kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not the best guy to have that discussion with because I don't really believe in it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I'm a little bit more of the school of like, Hey, together we are building revenue and mm -hmm. we as three or four individuals should sit together in a room and, and make the optimal, the optimal revenue strategy, basically to, to get to our max of our performance. We mm. need each other, basically. So I'm not the best guy to complain <laughs> about the other departments. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, what I would say, well, it doesn't frustrate me, but it surprises me continuously. I think what is interesting to see is that a lot of marketeers, in my belief, at least, if you want to be successful as a marketeer, you not only need to have great marketing skills and continuously keep them up to date by focusing on the external trends that are going on in our profession. You need to also be very aware of the market that you are operating in because that's crucial. You need to understand your customer. You need to understand the market we operate in. You need to understand what our persona cares about and all those kind of things. Literally, what words is he using? Mm. 
And third, you need to be very aware of the internal environment that you're operating in. And that comes back a bit to our earlier conversation, right? If you understand what the company really cares about at that moment or what the proposition of the company is, then you would understand that at a niche company, you would not apply a very broad marketing tactic or the other way around, right? So I think it's extremely important that marketeers realize that you will not be successful with the same marketing strategy at any company. You need to mm -hmm. adapt your marketing strategy, adapt your tactics to the location, the company, the time, to the basically the circumstances that you're in at that specific yeah. moment. And that makes it so hard to be a good marketeer, but that also makes it so important that you're not just digesting the information that is out there, but you're always making that filter and that translation to how can I be effective with this approach mm -hmm. or how can it help me to be successful at this company at this time? I, I think that's absolutely spot on. And it was almost a bit of a theme that we've we've had in this this conversation. And you talked about it earlier as well, that it's not about just taking a theory and saying, well, look, I've got the theory, here it goes. It's, it's, it's always about how that applies to a different set of circumstances. And no one business is the same. No one sector is the same. So it's hugely naive for marketers to think that they can take a marketing theory and just make it work. And the only way that you can properly apply it is to fundamentally break out of that marketing silo. You spoke there about the importance of understanding your market, the importance of marketers spending time with customers. But equally, they need to be breaking out of those silos within the organization, making sure they have a proper understanding of the product, making sure they have a proper understanding of, you know, the other revenue teams, as, as you, I think, sort of nice, nicely put it. So, yeah, I think that is an absolutely key um, thing for marketers to consider uh, when it comes to thinking about how do I take marketing as a profession and make it work within a, a business context. Yeah. Yeah. Really agree. Wonderful. Well, look, I, I I can't let you leave before we ask our house question. I know that we've been talking here about marketing theory, breaking out of echo chambers, understanding the business, and also talking about sort of maybe the fallacy of an idea of marketing versus business development and everything like that. But I want to switch gears and ask you a question about um, the last time that you saw a piece of marketing, a piece of creative, a piece of advertising that moved you on a deep emotional level that you really felt in your guts. Yeah, I can, uh, I can answer that question in many ways. I think as a professional and also related to the conversation mm -hmm. we just had, I'm truly inspired by all those B2B companies that are really creating a category and getting this demand gen strategy fully in place, like, like Gong, like Drift, like, like, um, like all Cognism, all those companies that are doing that really, really well. Uh, but to be honest, I wanted to make it a bit more personal. I think that's more, and, and maybe not in my field of expertise. So I wanted to talk about a consumer commercial that is going around here at the TV. Uh, at the Dutch TV, actually, it's it's uh, it's about ALS, which is of course a, a deadly disease, and um, they they created this commercial where they have the patient themselves actually run a commercial and ask for donations to to support um, deeper research for ALS. And uh, the way they do that is by using a patient who actually died at the moment of recording. So they will only show that commercial at the moment that that per that that person already passed away, which is. Yeah, it makes you shiver if you watch it and mm. really goes through your, uh, it go, really goes into your guts in terms of like you're really in all of those, um, yeah, all of that, that noise that you actually see on the television and all of those commercials that are with celebrities and all those ones. Mm. They have that one commercial where it's completely quiet and you see that one person and basically asking for a donation. 
Um, so for me, you know, although it's a very traditional way of doing it, and a lot of cigarettes are also doing that methodology, uh, for me, it really, I really felt it in my guts and I really felt that they accomplished their goal, which is getting attention. And they did that really nicely and also very respectfully towards those individuals that are Definitely. ill. Yeah, I, I don't think it's something that's running on UK TV, but I mean, from your description there, I can see definitely how powerful and poignant it is. And I think actually it's interesting you said there that, you know, there's this is what other cigarette companies are doing. And, and yes, they are because you're showing the Ill, illness on cigarette packs and things like that. But there is, I think, a subtle difference because from my perspective, one of the mistakes that um, a lot of, well, I don't actually know who the bodies are that actually no. put on the ads on cigarette no, packs, but yeah. whoever it is, they put in really shocking images. Yeah. They put in ones which are actually just horrible to look at. So what that actually does is it causes the potential target audience just to look away or just to filter it out completely because they don't want to engage with it because it's so disgusting to look at. Yeah. But what I think that by the sounds of it that this you know organization has done is that they haven't got that revolting factor to it. So you do watch it, but it's it's equally shocking, but it's in a way that you can't easily avoid. So it does sound extremely, extremely exactly. effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, look, that, that was, uh, well, I mean, a far reaching conversation given where we've ended up, but a really, really um, fascinating chat to have had today, Joran. Um, I think we started with this idea that marketers need to break out of the echo chamber, which was sort of looking at how they need to break out of a social media echo chamber, not just reading what marketers are putting out there, being a bit more discerning and filtering. But it's, it, ultimately, we've extended that principle out to marketers need to stop thinking of themselves as a discrete division or profession within an organization and understand that they are part of a much broader team and that is about generating revenue and in order to be effective they need to break out of that silo they need to understand the different parts of the business they need to make sure that they are aligned to what the business is ultimately achieving i think if they do that we will all be more successful marketers and work in hopefully more successful companies as well so it's been an absolute pleasure um, and thank you very much for joining me on the podcast thanks a lot benedict appreciate it Please be marketing the provocative truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B marketing the provocative truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.